0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Danny and Dusty.
2: Merengue tang is going to be a thing. You're not coining anything new.
0: With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the Fan Man Hera. All those monkey
2: sounds in there and called good.
0: The like old Danny Meringue Pie. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and
2: 1080. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. The fan. Good afternoon, happy Tuesday to the Rose City. Rain, a little bit of rain today. A little, bit of, little today. bit of rain today. Dusty hair, Jeff Russ, No, Danny meringue he is in COVID jail. Uh, how are you doing, Mr. Russ?
1: Doing good. Better than yesterday.
2: Yeah. Oh, the hangover just a one day. Or... Yeah,
1: just a one day. Or...
2: Just a one-day hangover. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear.
1: Back at full strength.
2: Isn't that or, well, a great you know. <laughs> feeling? When you just like take, do you take a nap when you got home?
1: Oh, dude. Yeah. I went, laid down in the bed, turned on the football game and started dozing off.
2: There you go. That a boy. <laughs> yeah. At a boy. Um, okay. Danny is not here. Uh, he is in COVID jail. You do get one call out of COVID jail. I think we might have to call Danny.
1: We might have to today.
2: Um, Because it, 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 this is going to be a spoiler alert.
1: He's sparking controversy.
2: Spoiler alert for worst day on the web. Danny Mareng <laughs> will be the worst day on the web today. <laughs> um and because i will not have this especially just 2 days out right 2 days out from thanksgiving danny morang uh, tweeting out an hour ago from covid jail uh quick note ahead of thanksgiving it doesn't matter who makes it stuffing is overrated and you've just convinced yourself you like it to make someone else in your life happy it's very mid <laughs> oh buddy
1: Eesh.
2: this is um th- this is a take this is a take it is a take and I will have none of it. I love stuffing. Yeah. In fact, there is not a lot of things. And I'm having this conversation with uh, somebody on, on Twitter right now. Uh, we're too stupid for the Internet. <laughs> is That's his name on Twitter.
1: Oh, I thought you were making a statement about the show.
2: No, that is also true. <laughs> uh but he said, you know, Danny's right, stuffing isn't even something we cook, it's so mid. But I do think most Thanksgiving usual dishes are mid, and we skip those and make prime rib or something worth eating. I, this is where I defend uh, stuffing. I will make stuffing outside of Thanksgiving season. Yeah. It. And, and think of that. Like, there are really... well.
1: Which, in that case, it makes it, if you're not stuffing the bird with it, it makes it dressing, does it not? If it's not being cooked inside the bird.
2: Yeah, stuffing's when you shove it up in there. Yeah. Dressing is when you put it on the outside, correct?
1: Yeah. Cook it on the outside. And yeah. that's where I like it. I like if it, the stuffing cooked inside the bird. To me, that can get kind of soggy and whatnot. I like the dressing. You get some crusty parts. Slather some gravy on there.
2: Oh, yeah. Now we're talking, bud. Yeah. Now we're talking. Nothing
1: goes on my plate that you can't smother, smother in gravy.
2: That's a fact, Jack. And this is like a whole other... Oh boy. Now we're getting into how you separate your Thanksgiving <laughs> Sorry, plate. I'm getting ahead of myself. Because I, I'm with you. I don't know. I will keep... I will take for my second trip. I will go back and I will get the cranberries sauce and the... Because I, 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 I won't put the cranberry sauce on top of the turkey because that's gravy, mashed potatoes, and stuffing. Uh, that's one fork. Yeah. You, you One fork, one bite. Each bite, yep. you got all three. Uh, and I will go back, and I will have on the second serving, I'll go back for sweet potatoes, I'll go back for the cranberry sauce. I, the, the sweet and savory I cannot have on one plate for Thanksgiving because I just pile everything on, whether it's green bean casserole, uh, stuffing, mashed potatoes, uh, and turkey, and then you can just gravy all of it.
1: See for me, the sweet is just left for dessert at Thanksgiving. I you can you can leave the cranberry sauce and the sweet potatoes oh, and the yams and all that stuff. It's a great
2: palate cleanser in between. Yeah, it's a great, It's like a transition. Like you get the hearty meal, then you go transition plate. For me, is the cranberry sauce, sweet potatoes. You know, if there's anything else in there, you know that you. you My
1: transition eat. plate is just more gravy. But you know. Mm. There's a reason why we are shaped terribly differently.
2: <laughs> you just drink it. You just drink the gravy. Is that what is that what you do? Well, you know, you just, you just.
1: <laughs> I got my own gravy bottoms boat. Bottoms
2: up. <laughs> 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 but that's uh, everybody has their own approach to Thanksgiving. What can what I I think is just blasphemy here. Getting back to the point, damn it. Yes, yeah, sorry. Is, is, is stuffing is not overrated. No, I think stuffing is properly rated, which is. And this is this is the thing with all Thanksgiving. This is why we don't complain about our Thanksgiving meal is that it is mostly stuff we just eat once a year. Like you'll probably have, like for uh for me, like if we have uh, you know the rotisserie chickens. Like if you're you're on a quick night, you yep. know, quick dinner, go get rotisserie chicken from whether it's Albertson, Safeway, Fred Meyer, wherever grocery store, mm-hmm. and you just get that ready cooked one. Hey, you want to dress that bad boy up a little bit? Put a, get make a little thin box stovetop stuffing. Yeah. You just throw that on and you can have that with the with the chicken, and it's a nice little meal. I'll have it a few times a year. Mashed potatoes, another one I'll have a few times a year. Other than that, no. Yeah. But, uh, name me another time where you're like, you know what, I'm I got a hankering for it's gonna really tie this meal together? <laughs> Green bean casserole. Wrong. Nope. <laughs> uh, sweet potatoes and we're going to we're gonna put little marshmallows of uh, crisp them on top and, and just put brown sugar all over them. No. Like, what we'll do is we'll go, if we have a sweet potato, boom, we'll throw that on the grill, you know, in the summertime. A little bit of butter, a little bit of ground brown sugar on it. Or we throw it in the oven, but just like a sprinkling. Yeah. You treat it as a damn dessert that you eat with dinner for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but this is the whole thing is that, no, it's all properly rated. Because we only have it one time a year. And yeah. stuffing is a treat. And you, I love stuffing. And if you don't like stuffing and you have a take like that, I'm sorry. And I don't want to disparage uh, Mama Meringue. And I will not because I don't know who makes the stuffing in that family. Right. But... It's a, you're probably not getting some some good stuffing. That's Be-
1: always that's my take too. Whenever somebody says they don't like meatloaf or sloppy joes, it's because you've never had good ones. And
2: then he said it doesn't matter who makes it stuffing. is always He even put that in a tweet. Danny's been through this war before. Yeah, he's been he's died on this hill before, <laughs> and it does matter because it is far different, and it is it, it ties everything together. You can have the perfect bite with every bite at Thanksgiving if you have stuffing, mashed potatoes, turkey, and gravy on it. Absolutely, you, it yeah. will be a perfect bite every single time.
1: Yep, that's Thanksgiving Nirvana right there.
2: It really is, and we don't eat all of these things together more than one time a year, right?
1: Probably because for good America's
2: already fat enough. Yes. Okay, we, we we cannot afford to have many more <laughs> of these. All right, we shove our pie holes with uh, hot dogs on the Fourth of July. Yep, and could you imagine, like in the middle of July or August, cooking up a Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner? No, it's cold weather meat. Yeah, it's a
1: little bit heavy for 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 the summer months.
2: Oh man! <clears throat> All right. So Danny's going to come on to defend himself at one thirty. Where I'm already, I'm already fired up because I actually do. I love stuffing, and when I saw that, I was, I was floored. I was flabbergasted. I was shook. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was heartbreaking to see.
1: Let's face it, Danny. Danny is never short on the uh, the hot takes.
2: Mm. Yeah. No, it's not, and this is a this is a hill he's willing to die on. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to go and be a part of the ratio, you can go to his Twitter feed at Danny Meringue. Yeah. Uh, go well, get him. You, you can go do it. <laughs> you can go do it. Um, we got a lot of stuffing takes coming in. Ooh, this one is genius. Five zero three two five zero ten eighty. Yes. Go. Yeah.
1: Started making batches of dressing and meatloaf pans just so I could slice it up and have it on sandwiches post Thanksgiving.
2: See, that is that's brilliant. Now wait. You do it in the meatloaf. That, okay, so if you don't know the meatloaf is, is you know, your bread pan. It's yeah. It's got the high high walls yeah. around it. It's a bread pan, yeah. And you just make it in there, so then you can, you literally flop it out, and you make it, the stuffing is your bread. Yeah. That is, that is genius. Right? This, That's, this man or woman is. Just blew my mind. It just changed my world. <laughs> Yeah. And not
1: to completely derail us, but in my opinion, if you're actually, if you're still cooking meatloaf in a bread pan, you're doing it wrong. You need mm. to put that on a cookie sheet. Put a couple of pieces of white bread around it to help suck up some of that juice. Otherwise, you can get yourself a soggy meatloaf if you're doing it like in the
2: bread pan. It's a fine it, meatloaf. There's slippery slope. Yeah. with meatloaf, too dry, too moist. It's not. You don't. Yeah, meatloaf is. It's it's finicky.
1: Can't have a soupy meatloaf.
2: Um. Why are we getting meatloaf tech? Why are, is meatloaf a Thanksgiving thing? Because no, this texture well, says good meatloaf is so good. Yeah, well, it's because we said I don't know where meatloaf came. came it's because you
1: were saying with the with the stuffing. If you don't like stuffing, it's probably because you never had good stuffing. And I said that's oh, always. Meatloaf. I said that's my rule of thumb with the meatloaf and, and sloppy oh, yeah. joes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's where the meatloaf is coming. That's from. where the gotcha. meatloaf came yeah, from. Yeah, meat, meatloaf and sloppy joes are. Uh, yeah. 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 You gotta do them right. You know, meatloaf and a Traeger is amazing. That text is right on. I mean, if you have a smoker, mm-hmm. go 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 smoke your meatloaf.
1: We use the uh, we use the bacon ground beef from uh, our local butcher shop. Got a little bit of bacon ground in with the beef.
2: That's okay. It's okay to say. It's okay to say the, meeting place? the meeting place. is where you get yes. your meat from because it is Tremendous. a phenomenal uh, meat. Yes, butcher butcher shop.
1: shop and cafe. The cafe is wonderful too.
2: And you know what they have there in the butcher shop? They sell chocolate milk like in the glass. Yes, I've had it there. It, 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 oh, oh, buddy, it's like tremendous! The big glass, like half gallons. Yep, like it's, straight from the dairy.
1: It's the closest thing I've had since I was a kid, and there was the old like Sands Drive-In Dairy in downtown Beaverton. We would go there and get the chocolate milk, and yeah, it's it's like a, it's almost like a melted milkshake. It's uh, just thick and delightful.
2: <laughs> this this text goes stuffing and meatloaf, and I hear sloppy joes. What are you twelve? This is definitely a white guy station <laughs> from a P one who who comes in meatloaf. Well, is if you're a P
1: one, you know exactly how white we are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, okay. Um, Stud, this text just says stuffing is dog food. I that is uh, your voice is heard. And I, I will not silence your voice, but you're wrong. I will shush. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> your voice can be heard, but it is wrong and very wrong. Uh, this I'm a pro stuffing. You know what I'm not though. Don't don't try to dress up your stuffing too much.
1: Oh yeah. You know I, don't like, want, I don't want a bunch of nuts in there.
2: Nuts and then like uh, cranberries. We're just nope throwing. Nope. Oh, uh-uh. man, like just. Give me the goods. Yeah. Give me the goods. And if you want to do the homemade stuffing, that is good. But we don't need to dress it up too much. Yeah. All right? Kiss rule. Keep it simple, stupid. All right. Let's get this show on the road. We got a lot that we need to get to today. The worst day on the web, obviously, uh, we're going to call Danny from COVID jail. He is uh, still – he did – we were texting today, uh, although he is an animal. um, I let him know uh, his stuffing. I said, I'm glad you're feeling better, but your stuffing takes are trash um and you will be defending yourself at 130. So, uh, we will call Danny. Um we have that at 130. We also we have a we have some new news on the college football world front uh because there is more smoke to Kenny Dillingham to Arizona State. Uh, we'll fill you in on that. We have um Oregon Oregon State uh again, we're going to talk about it every single day right here um on Danny and Dusty. Today we'll Go down to Corvallis. We'll talk to Angie Machado from Beaver Blitz. uh, Get the beef's perspective on this one. And I want to talk to her because this is a really, uh, this is a, this is a civil, or this is an Oregon-Oregon State game that. uh,
1: The game formerly known as the Civil War.
2: Yeah. I wonder if enough time is going to pass to where it just reverts back to being the Civil War.
1: Uh, Fans will probably get tired of trying to be cute around it and just yeah go back
2: well because I mean and it won't be
1: like the official title but it'll be a you know no, a, the yeah. colloquialism
2: just like the Red River shootout right yeah because
1: try to say a Red River rivalry real fast three times
2: yeah it's not it's not good it for does not you. roll off the tongue but there it, it was not intended to be the Civil War as in like the Union versus the Confederate right it was brother against brother yeah
1: split households
2: yes um and and so i mean that that got lost in in the translation and in that conversation uh before they they officially got rid of that title um but we've got this is an interesting one for and this is a special one for oregon state because this is truly the class that turned it around for the Beavs. i mean i mean re- this could go down as the class that turned it around for oregon state and they are special ones, and you don't forget them when they when they happen, and when these senior classes come through, or when you know they don't have to be a senior class. It can be like you know in two thousand, where you get that group of guys, where you get Chad Johnson, Jonathan Smith, T.J. Houshmandzada, Nick Barnett. You get you get that type of of class that comes in, and it just changes the entire trajectory of the program um, to bring this out of the Gary Anderson death spiral and to get the program back to where it is. Um, it's a re- it's a really special senior class, and it'll be senior day up at uh, Research Stadium. So Angie Machado will join us at 2 o'clock to talk about that. We got our meat on the bone, our leftovers uh, from the weekend that was in the NFL. We got to talk Monday Night Football. Uh, the fiesta in Mexico City was incredible. That was really cool to see. Um, and football is growing Globally, I think that's a really interesting part of what the NFL is doing. You know, whether it is London, Germany, now you're in Mexico City. uh, Well, you have been, and now you're back in Mexico City. The global footprint of the NFL is growing. And it's not going to be to a point where, I mean, I don't think we're going to have a team in London. That's just not realistic. It it, it truly is not realistic. Because you'd be sending a team over there, you'd have to expand by a couple of teams to make it worthwhile. Right,
1: right. Have like where, a pod over there, yeah, an entire and, division.
2: And where every team that has to travel over for one game, y- you have to make it worth their while and stay over there for a yeah. week or two weeks probably,
1: yeah, you gotta to have where a, they
2: have to play multiple teams over there because it logistically it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It does not make sense to have just one team over there. And I don't think in Europe you'll have it. But expansion down to Mexico—that is—that is more realistic, and the the footprint of the game is growing. And I want to have a conversation about how how big can football get?
1: Can I just say too? I didn't realize how high of, uh, elevation Mexico City was.
2: Oh, brother! When I went there, it is—it's it, higher than uh, Denver.
1: Yeah, it was I mean, like seventy-two hundred square feet or square feet. Seventy-two hundred feet. feet. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Mexico
2: City is really cool because it basically the top of a mountain blew off, and they just like yep. Right here. (laughs) It is, uh, it's a really cool city. I I really enjoyed my time in Mexico City, but it is going there, elevation, and it's not just elevation that you're dealing with. You're dealing with an insane amount of pollution because it is. It's, you know, top of a mountain blew off, which, so there's like a rim around the entire area. Mm -hmm. And so you're sitting in there at this really high elevation and... All of the pollution from millions of people living there—it just hangs over, yeah—and just sits over. So you're dealing with elevation and smog. It's, dude, you, you go on like a hike or a walk, and you, you're feeling it, man. <laughs> you're, gasping you're feeling the air. it there. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, so we got a lot of football that we need to get to today, and um, Danny's going to be angry when we call him at one thirty. Um, so Tuesday, <laughs> also. Yeah. 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 I'm going to I'm going to give him the the old I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a dig on the COVID. Good thing he can't taste your stuffing anyways (laughs) this year, even though I think he can still smell and taste. He is doing well and feeling better. So these jokes can be made. All right, uh, where we got to start this bad boy though? Uh, the Blazers—they have what we call a losing streak going on. Uh, it turns out that Giannis guy just as good at uh, basketball as he is throwing ladders. Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.
0: Dusty
2: on the fan. All right, the Portland Trailblazers uh, lost their third game in a row, falling to 10-7 on the season. 119-111, they lose in Milwaukee. Algonquin for the good land, as Alice Cooper taught us all on Wayne's World. That is an informative movie quote that I will always recite. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh-oh, my mic stand just came apart. This is going to be awesome.
1: Okay. Um, just wait.
2: Oop. There we go. Fixed it on the air. <coughs> Who We're needs
1: going. engineers?
2: <laughs> uh, but, like, my microphone just literally just fell off. <laughs> all right. Uh, but Blazers lose 119-111 to, uh, to the box in Milwaukee. Uh, this is one that we all saw coming when we talked about this yesterday. Uh, this four-game trip, is a tough one, man, and this early in the year, all of that goodwill that the Blazers uh, had built up, um, it can go like that, and this is where kind of this race, it's an 82-game season, folks. It, it, this is a long one. This is why it's always kind of been, don't overreact to, to the great start. They did build themselves up some goodwill so they can withstand um, a situation like they're in with Lillard in this calf strain that is is flaring up again. And this four game road trip where you go to Milwaukee which is uh, the two seed in the in the east next up tomorrow you go to Cleveland which the Cavaliers are playing out of their mind and their transformation has been incredible quick it, i mean it really has i mean they and, and if you look at their season <laughs> they <laughs> right now they are uh, 11 and 6 and they had a five game losing streak they have a, they are eleven and six with a five game losing streak, and then they get guys back and then boom they're right back to their winning ways, and this is what can happen like the ebbs and flows of of the NBA season. You can go from one to eight in a two game losing uh, two game skid, um, but what the three game losing skid has done for the Blazers is drop them all the way down to eight. I mean they were one they were still tied for first with Utah. Uh, the other night, and then after the Brooklyn loss, the Utah loss, and now this one, this is early NBA basketball. There's no reason to panic. And actually, after watching that game, I can't. I can't. I I walked away from it going, this team's got fighters, man. Yeah. Like, we've said this several times over the course of this year, but it, it doesn't seem to matter who's in or who's out. They've got fighters because they came out like gangbusters, and they tried to kind of – you know, there's, there are these opportunities when you go on the road to where if you come out swinging, you can catch a team on the chin and steal a, a road game against a very good team. And it looked like, you know, the Blazers were coming out and trying to do just that. I mean, they shot dang near, what, 60% from the floor in the first half. They did a really good job of containing Giannis in, in that first half to where, you know, he was 6 of 10 from the field. He was getting all of his looks, you know, close, but... They did a good job of fighting it all off and having a lot of balance both offensively and on the defensive end when they when they're dropping back into a zone for for a little bit and allowing those those opportunities. But Giannis didn't kill you in that first half, and you're going, dang, like the Blazers may may be able to pull this one off. Then the third quarter happens, where I just said you know Giannis was like six of ten from the field in the first half. He was seven of nine in the third quarter alone and outscored the Portland Trail Blazers as a team. And that is where you sit there and you go, Blazers struggled from the field offensively and that kind of just snowballed into the other end of the floor where Giannis is getting loose. And you're asking uh, not just Anthony Simons, who, who played well enough, and this is the thing with Ant, man. He keeps on picking up that slack. You know, when the slack, they're they're slacking the rope, when Dame is out, he's pulling it tight. And he did it again last night, and he had another phenomenal night. But this is where Damian Lillard is so important and really every star in the league is important when you're playing good teams is you're asking Jeremy Grant to grab two hands and pull on the offensive end of the floor and then put the entire defensive unit on his back and then pull the rope. Uh where you know this having a a player like Jeremy Grant is something that the Blazers haven't had since LaMarcus Aldridge as far as his size and ability um to help d- defend on the on that end of the floor against athletes like Giannis, but at some point it's going to wear down. And Giannis was, kind of took over in that third quarter. And what I love about Portland is that they they still fought back, man. They still fought back and gave themselves a chance. It was just too much at, at the end of the game. And Milwaukee, as they should and as we expected, came out on top. I mean, I really am impressed, though, with the ability of Chauncey Billups – to always have his guys in the right spot, you know. Like how many times did we, did we, have we seen in years past, and with different iterations of the Blazers, get into a game like that and end up and in, in, in end up losing by twenty, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, let it really get away from them.
2: Yeah, but they. they I mean, and look, there was no doubt Milwaukee was going to win that game, especially the way the third quarter went. Right. But the idea that that team just it, it has that fight. In them, and they they have those dogs. We we talked about this in the preseason. Even this team's got some dog in them, and that is the that is the fun part to watch. Even when a Damian Lillard isn't there, yeah, because there's only so much that you can ask against a, a, you know a championship caliber team like Milwaukee for a shorthanded Blazers, and this is who they are when Damian Lillard's not there. And unfortunately for Portland, they're playing for. Damn tough teams to play, yeah. especially with going on the road and having the Knicks and in the, in the Nets and being in New York City for four straight days. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to overcome.
1: Well, in this one, it didn't really get away from them, but yeah, when you're playing without Damian Lillard and you have a night where Sh- uh, Shaden Sharp didn't have his shot and Jeremy Grant wasn't shooting the ball well, and you were still never really out of it, and yeah, in, in seasons no. past, that that you know that would have been a 20 point blowout
2: and you know this texture says this they stop passing in the third makes offense difficult and just kind of you know shrug the first half though that is what I I just it's it makes this team fun to watch like the Blazers were not really fun to watch when Dame wasn't healthy before when when Dame wouldn't play yeah because it was like you just sat there and you went I know exactly what's going to happen you know the offense will revert to CJ dribbling for 23 seconds and then hucking up a shot right that's not what this team is, and Josh Hart kind of was stirring the drink early in that first half, and I think that's where it comes down to it is very difficult to play both ends of the floor in the NBA. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it It really is. It's, it's hard. You exert so much in energy. It is so hard to be a great two-way defender, and that is where Portland kind of ran into. It wasn't just Jeremy Grant but you also have Josh Hart having to pick up that slack on the defensive end as well. And I think that's where the ball movement kind of it took a backseat as well because you're trying to stop the bleeding. You have, to do one, you have to stop the bleeding on one end of the floor and you forget about the other end. And um, Blazers lost, and it's an expected loss, and now they get a day off before they head to Cleveland. They're going to have another tough test, man. And it, it's going to be – this could be a tough road trip for the Blazers. But at the same time – uh it is expected and don't don't freak out now the, my panic is with damian lillard's injury and the fact that it's popping up again mm-hmm. it's not with this team because i think when when this road trip is done we're going to be looking at a team that is going to be closer to 500 than what we've seen at any point except for the first couple of games of the season because they came out like gangbusters that may be kind of where this team is when it's all said and done yeah. you know like we we've been talking about this like it really this really hasn't changed the outlook like the Blazers. They're not maybe not a 500 team. They're a few games over 500. Yeah. You know, Danny's maxed them out at like he's like 45, 46. I'm like more in that 43 range which is like two games weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Not that big of a difference.
1: Well, and even with that fall from first down to eighth too, they're they're still they're one game back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's November. Yeah. It's November. Yeah. Fun to watch though. This team is fun to watch. Uh and and I do have this question, though. Are they kind of overdoing it with the carpet jerseys. I mean, they've them a lot. Yeah. They debuted them last week, and it's like every time you turn on, you're like, again? Yeah. Again with the carpet jerseys. My daughter last night, she's like, why do they have
1: blue on the jerseys? And I was like, well, the airport carpet is famous. And she's like, what? <laughs> hey,
2: kids don't get that one. Yeah, well, adults do don't get that one even. <laughs> All right. Uh, good effort, Blazers. They fall to the Bucs 119-111. Good
1: job. Good effort.
2: <laughs> Man, when you said this, sounded way more mean. <laughs> that really
1: did come out, yeah. I really did sound like an a-hole there, didn't I? <laughs> All
2: right. 503-250-1080. That is the fan text line. Uh, we also had a, a Blazers competing with Monday Night Football. So if you watched one, you didn't see the other. And I loved everything we saw last night in Mexico City. Uh, especially. Especially the lopsided score. Here's Ross with Sports Center. see a at side road
0: This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader. 1080. The fan.
2: That was a statement last night. And night nice football, man. It was the San Francisco 49ers planting their flag in the ground and saying we're going to be a force in the NFC championship race. And they did it emphatically over a team that is struggling. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't see a world in which Cliff Kingsbury makes it out uh, of this season um, as the head coach of, of the Cardinals. And I don't really think necessarily it is it is all Cliff Kingsbury. They have got a, a leadership issue at, at the quarterback position. We all expected this to be a blowout when Kyler Murray did not play, and we knew that he wasn't going to play. We, were, we talked about that yesterday. DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins did, and Colt McCoy went out there, and it's always weird to see him still playing. Yeah. I always think Colt McCoy is like, not in the NFL and <laughs> what's weird is I watched T- Taylor Heineke in Washington and I know Colt McCoy used to play in Washington but I go he reminds me so much of Colt McCoy <laughs> like his mannerisms the way he, that he plays but you know Colt McCoy going out there I mean you're you're playing already with one hand tied behind your back but I think that's kind of what um, Arizona's been doing at that quarterback position and I think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the guy that you know maybe he falls to the wayside and there look there are there's a lot of guys that are just better coordinators and that is Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. In, in my mind, like Cliff Cliff Kingsbury is a, is a very good coordinator. I think whether he goes uh, back to college or he stays in the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury will be a very good coordinator wherever he goes. Um, It's just the head coaching aspect of it, you know, and, and that is tough. And I think what we're seeing also is um, Josh McDaniel, obviously in, in Las Vegas he had his shortcomings and his, it fell apart in Denver the first time. I think he is a good head coach, but he's obviously a, a great offensive coordinator. McDaniels, though, he's got a locker room issue right now, and that is a sign of a good head coach is to win those locker room battles over. Brandon Staley is a guy that I can't figure it out for the life of me. Yeah. But that team should be better. Yes. And I think it, you have to you have to look at the, at the head coach. Right. And I know it's his second year, but – there's no excuse for that team to be as talented as they are, and I know, I know, tough division and injuries. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Injuries are a big one that they'll point to this year, but that still doesn't excuse the fact that every team in the NFL right now is battling the injury bug. It's how you bounce back from it and if you can get this thing back on the rails. And if Staley can't get this thing back on the rails, and the Chargers cannot become a playoff team, it's gonna be it's gonna be that serious conversation of. Is he going to be the guy in 2023? Because you need to capitalize while Justin Herbert is still cheap. And he ain't going to be cheap for much longer. No, And, you know, injuries are a great great signal to a team that if you can battle back from injuries, look at the damn 49ers because it seems like they get bit every single year. Every single year they get bit and they find a way. They find a way to be, to get back and scratch and claw back to relevancy. And a lot of that has to do with the head coach. And as you get healthy, are you going to be able to peak at the right time of the season? And San Francisco, here we are, Week 11. They are 6-4. They are tied atop the division with the Seahawks. Have a tiebreaker right now, and they'll meet again in, what, Week 15 with Seattle. And that one will be up at Lumen Field. But as it is right now, they won the first one against the Seahawks. They look every bit the part. They look every bit the part. Now that Elijah Mitchell is healthy and you put him in a backfield that has Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, and now you have Debo Samuel healthy again, you saw just how freakish this team is going to be. The balance that they will have with backs coming out of the backfield, put lining them up in the slot. I mean, if you line up an offensive set that has Elijah Mitchell in the backfield, George Kittle at tight end, Brandon at on the outside at receiver, and then you have two other receivers that you can put in motion and move all over and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. That is a that's nightmare fuel. Yeah, that's a lot of weapons. Like, if you want to talk to a defensive coordinator, what's the scariest thing you've ever seen? Uh, Kyle Shanahan with his tiny little C- San Francisco logo on his hat sitting across the, the field from you and those guys on the field. With, oh, by the way, the best left tackle in the game uh protecting Jimmy Garoppolo. Like the only thing that they're missing if they had a dynamic quarterback that would this would be hands down super bowl favorite yeah and and they, they they might be as this season goes on and we we play out these final you know seven weeks of the season we may be talking about the San Francisco 49ers as that most dangerous team in the NFC I know Philly is good. I know Dallas is getting better. I don't believe in the Minnesota Vikings. There are a lot of holes in the NFC right now. If San Francisco can continue to play at this level, watch out. Yeah.
1: And I never I basically never buy the Cowboys. They always seem like fool's gold.
2: Uh,
1: but that's the, ca- just me. the
2: Cowboys? Yeah. The Cowboys have a special place in my heart. <laughs> they are Texas football. Yeah. It, it is very convenient. They are in the same place. With the same are back. Uh, Venn diagram of delusional fan base <laughs> that they're back. Yeah. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, and that does, that is not to dismiss a fantastic win over the Minnesota Vikings. And that, that is a fantastic win. Yeah. That was a butt whooping. The expectation is that the Cowboys should be good. They're not back. They have the same holes where they will get in their own way. Mike McCarthy will at some point get in their way of winning a game. Dak Prescott will at some point get in the way of winning a game. Their fantastic defense will have one it will have a game where they will trip fall directly on their face and look like an absolute disaster. And it's be inevitable. glorious. It's inevitable. <laughs> it is inevitable. And until they fix that, they will never be back. Just like Texas. Yep. Just like Texas. You know, oh, Quinn Ewers back. He, he, look at the, how well he's playing. No. Give it a couple weeks. Now Quinn Ewers is the problem in Texas. Yeah. It's one part fan base, one part uh, the people running the show, whether it's boosters at the University of Texas or Jerry Jones for the Dallas Cowboys. it, it It's inevitable. It's one part having that
1: do on your quarterback, too. Having what? That do. The that's hairdo? not. That's not quarterback hair.
2: Uh, Quinn yours.
1: Yeah, that's like linebacker hair. The mullet. Yeah,
2: well, I mean mullets are back, dude. They're back in a big way. They don't look any better than they did in the eighties yeah. either. <laughs> right, but they're back. They're back. If you you show me a a, a finely permed mullet. We'll talk. Yeah, well, he's probably I'm not in, your quarterback. I'm into a I'm into a well manicured moulet, <laughs> But at the quarterback position, are you going Colin Cowherd on? I was it? just I was just thinking that in my head. I'm like right. I'm
1: gonna liken this yeah to 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 Colin's uh, uh, anti backward hat stance.
2: It, now, which is the which? Bigger I think red is ridiculous. Flag? Backwards hat or mullet? For me, it's the mullet. <laughs> I think both of them are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I don't, I I do not believe there's a correlation to your quarterback's, um, hairstyle or way he wears his hat and how good he is at the game of football.
1: I don't think there's a correlation to how he wears his hat,
2: (laughs) but his hair, (laughs) (laughs) except for Aaron Rodgers, because ever since he went to that, um, I don't even know how to describe his hairdo. Douchey. she? Emo. He has like emo hair. Yeah. Yeah. He has emo hair.
1: With that high shave up there and high yeah.
2: shave, and then it's like super long and slick back and when yeah. he tucks it behind his ears, that is a horrific look it certainly is that is a um maybe that's the that's the one instance that i'll I'll go with uh yeah, you can't rock that <laughs> can't do it, won't do it all right um but that was the 49ers they flexed again offense defense, balance i mean think of this they rushed for hundred and fifty nine yards in that game, average at five and a half yards a carry. Mitchell, nine carries, 59 yards. McCaffrey, seven for 39. Debo gets three for 37. Balance. Receiving, Jimmy G throws for a pretty pedestrian 228. Kittle, 84 yards. McCaffrey, 67. Debo, 57. Balance. Balance, man. And then Brandon Ayuk, he gets two catches, two touchdowns. <laughs> That's a good night.
1: Pretty
2: good night. Yeah. Uh, but what was even better about that night? It wasn't just that the Cardinals um, rolled over in the San Francisco 49ers, dropped the people's elbow on them, and then uh, George Kittle showed up to his press conference in a luchador mask. No. it was. I think, fact-
1: he, I think he was wearing that pregame, too. Was he? Like, walking up to the stadium. Beautiful. There, was a, there was a local, like, Mexican wrestler he gave him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went to – I got mine – uh, from Chapultepec Park, uh-huh. uh, it's like their Central Park in Mexico City. Like they got little vendors. I got I got one of those we, um, in in the park, and then showed up to my sister's wedding. And um, my sister's husband has a twin brother. And when I gave a speech, um, my brother and I whipped out our luchador masks, put them on, and challenged him and his twin brother to a wrestling match. Uh, and <laughs> and the crowd went wild. They didn't know half of what I was saying because I was speaking in uh, English and broken Spanish, oh, half very and good. half. Yeah. It was a Spanglish speech that I was giving there, <laughs> but they understood what I meant when we put on our wrestling mask and we said, "It's go time, buddy." Yeah,
1: it yeah, was believe, go time. I believe it was Pinta El Cerro Mieda. Yeah, they gave him the mask. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: that is awesome. That is awesome. All right, but Mexico City. It was a great venue. It was a great venue for football. Raucous. How big can the footprint of the NFL get? Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey
2: app and 1080, the fan. It was really cool to see Mexico City go all out for the 49ers and Cardinals last night. I heard Jimmy Garoppolo after the game talking about how like he goes, it felt like you know they were treating it like a soccer game, where like they were just allowed the entire time. I don't. I, he said he'd never been in an environment like that, and it's a weird thing. Like like football games, you get roars, you get these waves of emotion. A lot of it's because it's a it's a really long game, and in soccer, like they'll just kind of have that consistent buzz throughout the crowd, and you could feel that kind of coming through the broadcast last night, um, which was really cool. That that continuous buzz. Uh, in the stadium and they went wild and as i've been watching kind of the growth of the nfl and, and we talked about this briefly at the onset of the show but the nfl is growing so much and so quickly to other countries i think it's awesome that they had a game in germany uh because long before any of this you know the the london games and stuff there has the game of football has grown tremendously in Germany. I mean, one there's a huge U.S. military presence in Germany, and so it's kind of like on the base and kind of spreading beyond. But I know guys that have gone over and played uh, professionally in Germany and coached over there, and they say that in I don't know how how many how common knowledge it is about professional football in Europe, but. Every country has professional leagues. And Germany is far and away the most passionate. Like, Germany is, is wildly passionate about American football. Austria also is, is very passionate. And so is, uh, is Spain and Italy to, to a little bit of a lesser extent. But in Germany, it fits, man. It, it, it everything just kind of like I, I'm glad that they're dipping their toe there because London was the, the easy one. That was the one that made, you know, the most sense because, you know, it's one the shortest flight over there. And, you know, English speaking country, yeah, maybe not so much of the language barrier. Yeah.
1: Although it's still, you know, hard to hear them. Germany's huge. Yeah.
2: And they they like American football. So that's cool to see. Mexico City makes sense. I And I don't think we're going to see a professional team in Europe. Um, I think what we'll see is, is a lot of these games, a lot more of these games going over to Europe. And, and if you want to balance a 17-game schedule, like one of the common complaints right now is, well, you know, some teams get more home games than others because you don't get 8-8 eight and eight anymore. I think that that is going to be the answer from the NFL is every single team in the league plays an international game. Well, now that it's
1: a 17-game Uh, schedule yeah Yeah.
2: because that balances you still get eight home eight road and one neutral yep and in a different in a different country and uh it's also it's really cool to see kind of the different like they're just fans of the nfl gum and they go to and um i saw rich eisen say that it feels like a super bowl-esque event except for not as corporate uh because you get fans from every team that show up. It's not just one team and the other. And you know, it's, it's basically a celebration of football. And that's, that's super cool.
1: And they haven't priced out all the regular fans.
2: Yes. Well, as far as we know, um, but I think that this is Mexico city. There may be some, there may be something to having a team down in Mexico city at some point, not, not anytime in the near future, Mm -hmm. but as expansion of the NFL continues. Um, I think Mexico City is more than viable because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of hurdles that are going to need to be cleared in order to, to have that, and safety continues to be a concern, but I will say that when I went to Mexico City, I felt safe the entire time I was there, and it's kind of like, I mean, there are more rough spots, but You know, there's a lot of safe places in Mexico City where you're not walking down the street worrying about getting, you know, mugged or robbed or abducted or anything like that. Right. But having professional athletes down there could be a a big target on their back for, you know, nefarious individuals. But uh, spoiler alert, there's a player for the Washington Commanders that uh, was shot in a random act of violence. Yeah. You know, like we're not immune to that here either.
1: No, we certainly are not.
2: I think that what we uh, will see eventually down the road is uh, I think there will be a team in Mexico City eventually. Eventually, not any time in the near future. We're talking like 2030 and beyond, obviously. But um, that they are passionate there. And I think it's really cool to see the game of football grow beyond the borders of the United States. And players may not love having these international games. But damn it, they're going to happen on a far grander scale because that is how you grow the game, and that's how the owners will get more money, and that's how the players eventually are going to get a lot more money in their pockets. Do you
1: think they go north of the border to Canada, or is the CFL too entrenched up there?
2: Yeah, uh, I, 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 Toronto. Well, there was there was a big push to try to get the Buffalo Bills to move to Toronto uh, when they were up for sale, and uh, was it the, the the Pagula family bought them before? There's always been that. I mean, Toronto, they love football in Toronto. Like, the CFL is, we don't pay as much attention to the CFL. It's a big deal up in Canada. Yeah. Like, having buddies that played up there, like, they get treated like, like, you know, in Toronto, they get treated like the Raptors in the Maple, well, not the Maple Leafs. Those guys are on a way higher pedestal (laughs) than anybody else there. But they get treated like the, you know, the Raptors in in the Blue Jays do. Like, like they get treated like they're pro athletes. It's a big deal up there. Yeah. to be in Argo. All right. 503-250-1080. That is the fan text line. Um, We got a lot of meat left on the bone from week 11 in the NFL season. Uh, Let's take a bite next. Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours